Hello, and welcome to the Baby Brain Podcast. I'm excited today. I have Kara Yorkal, who is the senior acupuncturist and owner and founder of Fertile Ground, also very important mom of four. Hi, Kara. How are you today? Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I'm great. Thanks. Good, good. So right out of the gates, I'd love to just have you share a little bit about what is Fertile Ground and what drew you to creating it? Yeah, well, Fertile Ground is a freestanding holistic women's health center. Um, We offer acupuncture and Chinese medicine services um, and body work, therapeutic body work, massage um, for primarily women who are dealing with reproductive health issues, um, gynecological issues. This could be teenage girls, all the way to um, menopausal women. So, um, and we do work with some men as well, but most of the men we work with are connected to that process for their partner in some way, like they're experiencing male fertility issues or wanting to enhance their fertility as they try to grow their family. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you uh, have such a significant part of the lifespan, you know, for, for caring for women. I think that's wonderful. What drew you specifically to women's health and reproductive health? Yeah, well, I've had a passion for natural health, holistic health since I was young. And I think, honestly, I remember just being absolutely fascinated with childbirth from a young age. I grew up on a farm on a small family farm that had livestock. And I remember going out to do inseminations with my dad and watching animals being born. And, um, and so I think that helped me as I grew up to be somebody who didn't shy away from that as something that was a normal, um, physiological process for us as, as humans, as well as animals. And I had an epiphany moment when I was in college. I'm so grateful for this, that I I had the opportunity to do a study abroad program in India. And over the winter break, I, you know, I, all of, all of us students dispersed and got to travel on our own for a couple weeks. And my, um, I had just heard a lecture by a PhD student in New Delhi about the revival of home birth in that city and how positive that was for the women that she was doing her research on and all that stuff. And I just was like, wow, I got to, I like got to do more with that work and learn more about that. I want to, I want to, I was thinking, I just like had this moment of wanting to be a midwife Mm -hmm. and I, um, I just sought out on my own and ended up being able to, to connect with a, um, village midwife in a little fishing village and sleep on the floor of her kind of like, I don't know, a hut basically, and be part of a handful of births, just observing. And, um, that just really opened the door for me to then become, go through doula training as I was finishing up my four-year bachelor's degree back here in the States and then start attending births. Um, you know, this was when I was in my early twenties and start, you know, kind of pursuing midwifery programs at that time. And interestingly enough, I think the next kind of epiphany that I had was that, um, 
I needed to choose balance and my own health. And I have so much respect for people that are attending births all night and um, being part of that world. And I, I, you know, just kind of have a little part of myself that longs for it, but I, but I was really getting burnt out from attending birth as a doula. And then I was managing a small health food store during the day and, um, and was seeing an acupuncturist myself. And I had been having super regular periods. I was, um, I think dealing with some hormone, I mean, I was dealing with hormonal imbalance and working on my own health a lot and using Chinese medicine and acupuncture and seeing really positive changes. So she really impacted me because she said, come and shadow me for a day. And I did. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I, it all kind of came together of going to Chinese medicine school and focusing on women's health, especially around, um, fertility, pregnancy, postpartum. And, um, and then, um, you know, those, those, those worlds kind of merged and I, I graduated I started my own private practice and in 2007, and then it's gradually grown um, to include two more acupuncturists and three body workers. And we have a couple office staff and, um, you know, I never really saw myself as somebody that would come out of school and start a big clinic because I would say mostly marketing is super unappealing to me. It's not like <laughs> something I like to think about much, um, but it has really grown organically and it's helped all of us, I think, as practitioners grow and we love being connected to each other and having the support of a team. And of course, it allows us to offer our patients, you know, a much wider availability of appointments and flexibility and we can cover each other's um breaks and, you know, we have evening and weekend hours and um, just really able to offer a, a very comprehensive service that way. So I'm really grateful for it. And um, and now we have this beautiful space on 40th and Lindale in South Minneapolis that we've been at for, gosh, like almost nine years. And it's just filled with lots of green plants and beautiful sunlight. And it's just, and really like, healing treatment rooms. And so come and visit. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I actually, I really want to <laughs> thank you for sharing your story. You know, I think it's so it's interesting the way that life takes us. Right. And the idea that you've always, it seems like you've always had this draw to being with women, which really is, you know, when you think about doula work and when you think about midwifery, that's what you think of but how can you be with women if you're not with yourself? And it sounds like you found a way to be with yourself, to honor yourself, and then also fill that need to be with women. I just, I love it. I think that's so marvelous. And it, it speaks the natural evolution of your own professional career, I think speaks to the way in which your, your practice has naturally evolved, right? Just allowing things to come and you've got now more people that are working with you. And that's then allowed you all to see more people while still honoring yourself. Um, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for noticing that and naming that. I really appreciate that. I mean, I really do believe that we need to be well in order to help other people be well. And, um, and so, you know, I, I have been grateful that I've been able to 
tend as well as I can to my own health and and that 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 then is how I can approach healing for my patients and also for my team. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. So kind of thinking about healing, you know, I, I, when I think of fertility, I, I immediately go to infertility. Um, that's what I, what I often think of is, you know, what is the, what is the opposite? And so I'm just curious when you are looking with new patients, um, new clients, what are some of the biggest obstacles that they are facing that are bringing them to you? And how do you, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Um, well for fertility patients, I think there is definitely this, this stereotype maybe out there that most fertility patients are older and, um, and that that's the main reason why we're having difficulties conceiving. And for, for sure, that is the case in, in some circumstances. And then also there are a lot of reasons why women of all ages might be having difficulty getting pregnant. Um, and so, I mean, I really see a very wide range of issues. We work a lot with, you know, what would be considered kind of an excessive hormone, hormonal situation, like polycystic ovarian syndrome, irregular cycles, those kinds of things. Um, and then also a lot of like decreased ovarian reserve where we're looking at, um, lower egg quality, lower egg quantity, those kind of things. Um, and then uterine impediments like fibroids or, um, polyps, endometriosis, those kinds of things that are impacting, uh, healthy uterine environment, um, and possibly impacting hormonal environment as well and egg quality. Um, and so we're really trying to get as, as detailed and, um, complete understanding about a women's health picture. When they come in, we want to know, yes, where have you been in terms of your Western diagnostic process with your OB or your, um, reproductive endocrinologist or your doctor, or maybe you haven't done any of that yet. And that's fine too. But if you do have a diagnosis in that area or any labs imaging, we we really do um, learn a lot from anything that's been done before. And then um, and then we also ask a lot of questions about someone's overall health and their periods. So um, you know, cycle length, how long the menses is what the flow is like in terms of lightness, heaviness, clottiness, color, texture, thickness, all those things. Um, what premenstrual symptoms are like, um, what ovulation is like, all these details that really together help create a, a pretty comprehensive picture of what makes somebody's health really unique and their, um, their fertility picture. And that helps guide treatment for us. We get to choose from literally hundreds of different herbs when we're thinking about formulating something for somebody, a, you know, formula for them. And we might even be changing it like through their cycle. So they'll be on one formula for their follicular phase or pre-ovulation and one for ovulation, one for luteal phase, et cetera. So, um, so we're really getting very precise in a lot of cases and also thinking about what are the pivotal things in their lifestyle that could also make a difference. And that is unique for every woman as well. And it also depends on what they're, what they're interested in. You know, maybe diet would be something that could make a big impact, but they have no bandwidth for thinking about diet. 
And so it's not really helpful to emphasize that too much, but focus on other things that can make a, a, a more significant difference. Um, and so really meeting women where they're at to come up with a treatment strategy that's going to be overall most supportive for correcting what is the root cause that's making it difficult for them to conceive. Um, and also taking into account if there, you know, what the other, you know, it takes to like, whether it's donor sperm or a partner, husband, um, looking at that factor as well, potentially. Um, so I mean, the gift of having done this for so long is that all three of us, the acupuncturists and really the body workers too, have so much experience looking at someone's picture and, and starting to make a really comprehensive assessment of where things need to be shifting to bring someone into greater balance and fertility. That's wonderful. And I think I really appreciate that you're looking at what someone is interested in and what someone has the capacity to do to incorporate, mm -hmm. because I think it's, I see in, in the work that I do, people are told that there's a change that they should make, but that's not a change that they're willing to or able to make at that particular time. And so taking that information, maybe providing some education and doing something that is relevant to what they're able to incorporate into their life. I think that is the way in which you can approach individualized healthcare. And I really, I really value that. Uh, and I mean, how, how can we make change when we're providing change options that someone doesn't want to do, um, or can't do. So yeah, that's, that's really great that you guys are able to incorporate that. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked a lot about like the physiologic, um, components and how you address that. I'm curious also when you're looking from a holistic approach, when you're, you know, bringing someone who's new in or continuing to work with a, a client that you have an established relationship, what are some of the ways in which you approach peripartum mental health? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I should also mention in relation to that question about the fertility patient, um, it's almost always stressful to have difficulty conceiving. And so that is something that, that one of the things about Chinese medicine is that we're not separating mental health from physical health. It's really, it's all part of the same picture when we're thinking about somebody, when we're coming up with somebody's diagnosis in a Chinese medicine framework, it's gonna be encompassing their emotional and mental health as well as their physical health. And that also, that same approach extends into pregnancy and postpartum as well. So um, in women's health in particular, we're like, I kind of mentioned how closely we're looking at somebody's menses and the quality of their menses. And we're, we're always looking very carefully at the, at what's going on with a woman's blood at the time of, you know, preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, because we understand that the, um, you know, these are all kind of, um, a little bit archetypal frameworks there. It's a Chinese medicine framework that's been around for thousands of years. And so when I say the heart stores the blood, that's a way that we describe it in Chinese medicine, which is a different framework than Western anatomy and physiology. And that the heart needs to be 
full and nourished in order for someone to feel well emotionally and to have balanced emotions. So we, every woman is going to lose blood post, you know, and come through labor and delivery in a comparably more blood deficient state than she went into labor and delivery. So we're, we're very conscious of paying attention to nourishing the blood postpartum as the foundation for mental and emotional well-being. And that is something that, you know, we don't have that same way of understanding. Maybe we have a little bit of like, we got to check the iron, you know, and if iron is deficient, we might be expecting insomnia or fatigue, you know, those kind of things. But the way we understand blood in Chinese medicine is actually a much more holistic framework and term and, you know, component in the body than just the, the blood that we see in our veins or that we would get drawn in the lab draw or be testing iron. So, um, but yeah, so the, um, the, the, you know, impact of that transition heading into postpartum, um, on the blood is really significant. And I think, one of the things that Chinese medicine and acupuncture have to offer somebody is just that really um, fine-tuned lens of looking at someone's state at that time and thinking about how we can support rebuilding the blood. Yeah. So it can nourish the heart. Yeah. That's yeah. I think a lot of people might not think about it in that way. I mean, when you were saying, iron. I, I had to laugh because that's absolutely the first thing that popped to my mind. Yeah. Um, and really the only thing that popped into my mind, right. Um, is like, yeah. Um, iron hemoglobin, um, yeah. hematocrit. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious as you're bringing in new clients and, you know, you're explaining all the services that you have to offer, what are some of the like misconceptions that people maybe come in with and how do you, how do you approach that? Like maybe it's, not really understanding what acupuncture is or Chinese medicine, but um, I'd love to learn a little bit about, yeah, how do people come to you and how do you explain the services that you offer? Because some people, they might not, they might not be exposed to it. And this could be their first time really learning about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm aware that there is this idea out in, you know, in, in our society still, because this is considered still kind of like an alternative form of medicine. It's become much more mainstream in the last couple of decades, but um, that some people are like, I mean, I hear this honestly, mostly from my kids who hear it from their peers um, about their parents, mm-hmm. uh, that they don't believe in, in acupuncture. And that's always funny for me because we, it's not in, in my framework, it's not something that you believe in. <laughs> it's something that you either, you try and it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. not going to work for everybody. It's not going to be a magic bullet. If it was, every single person would do it, of course. Yeah. But Western medicine is not 100% effective either. And um, and also a lot of our, our modern medicine treatments come with a lot of side effects. And so if we're thinking about what might help us you know, achieve a particular health goal, I personally think starting with a small tool that's going to have less negative impacts um, is a really great way to 
really great place to start because if you can achieve your goal, whether it's, um, you know, feeling emotionally and mentally balanced and healthy. So, you know, with acupuncture, instead of an, a psychiatric medication, you're going to have less side effects. Nobody has negative side effects from acupuncture. I mean, almost every once in a while I have somebody who, um, you know, seems to get a headache after acupuncture once in a while, but I'm talking about like one out of 2000 patients. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it is like a harmless modality as long as you're being treated by a trained licensed practitioner. Um, and so if you, if you can, you know, get pregnant using acupuncture and Chinese medicine, instead of having to take tons of meds, likely pay a lot of money, all those things. So it's just kind of like choosing the, the, what I would say is the, um, the path that is most in line with your body in terms of what your body's doing anyway, but trying to tweak your body in a way that allows it to, to be more healthy and balanced. Um, and if that is not enough, then great. Let's think about what are the other things that we can incorporate in from modern medicine that could, could support this. Or sometimes people are already doing a lot with allopathic medicine, and then we're going to incorporate acupuncture and Chinese medicine to increase the chances of success for what they're already doing. And that's great too. Um, but I think, you know, the people that have a lot of misconceptions about acupuncture and Chinese medicine probably don't walk through my doors, to be honest. <laughs> sure, sure. And the really cool thing is that when I started doing this work 20 years ago, I heard a lot more, you know, oh, my doctor said they didn't think acupuncture would help me, but if I wanted to try it, it couldn't hurt. Now, I really hardly ever hear that. I hear mostly my doctor think it's, thinks it's so great that I'm doing acupuncture and they want me to keep doing it. So I think over the last 20 years, um, there the overall medical community has seen the huge benefit that can come from patients receiving this extra support and, um, and are much more in favor of it as time goes on, it's just going to become more and more mainstream. I mean, goodness sakes, Alina, which I think is the biggest health system in our state is trying to get an acupuncturist in every one of their clinics, I believe. And they're having incorporated in every level of care in hospitals and especially at the mother baby centers, you know, for labor and delivery yeah. and um, postpartum. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think, I think I have heard more, more individuals talk about complement complementary medicine versus alternative. And mm. I think even just those switching of words to realize like, this is a way in which we can approach things. Like you can work through a headache with, you know, um, ibuprofen, but you can also just start with this pressure point and see if that does it. Um, and then if it doesn't, then you can kind of do that. And, you know, if 200 milligrams doesn't work, you know, you're in a good spot to increase it to 400. Like you can kind of do these like building blocks and there's different tools in the toolkit. And I think people, when they have options and education surrounding those options, that's when kind of going back to what you were speaking about before that idea of like individuals, individualized care plans. That's really how we can go ahead and do that. And 
I can also speak from the uh, acupuncture stand. Well, I should say acupressure standpoint. That is something that one of the in, uh, places that I work um, as a nurse, we have acupressure. Uh, people who are practicing acupressure come and help us with some services because our, our job is very stressful. And that's something that happens on, I, I want to say it's like a Thursday morning at, you know, 11, but it's a really wonderful treat uh, mm -hmm. that really does help. So I think that's, that's great to see that it's something that you're not meeting a lot of resistance uh, from, from people and from their families and that they really are coming with an open mind and an eager mind to see what is going to complement whatever they're currently doing. And maybe it is, it's the alternative um, for them that, that ends up working. But I think that idea of being able to incorporate things that are, well, going back to that individualized care plans, like something that is relevant to them, something that they are interested in, something that they are willing to incorporate into, into their lifestyle to be able to help make them uh, the change that they're trying to make. I think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is a really good point about the language that we use, because I I would like to, I should get away from the word alternative. And I do also really like the word integrated or integrative and, and complementary, like you said, because that is actually a much more um, precise description of how we are working with people. Like I said, it's it's really rare that we're working with someone who hasn't had their labs drawn. And if that's the case, we'll usually do it. Because I, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I want to make sure that their tubes are open. I want to make sure that I'm not having them come in for acupuncture if their husband doesn't have any sperm. You yeah. know, we need to have some basic things figured out before we spend, you know, a lot of time, you know, investing in in their fertility together. So, so I, it really is an integrated model of care. And I think that's, a really huge gift that we can offer patients in this, in this environment as, as things are changing in our society. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to thinking about like changes, one of, you know, the biggest changes that we recently faced is COVID, um, you know, that really threw through everything and kind of thinking back to the periopartum mental health. I am curious with throughout your practice, have you seen an increase in, um, stress and, um, fertility issues since, since COVID. Um, mm -hmm. and if so, can you speak a little bit about what your interpretation is around, uh, stress and also just the pandemic and how that's impacting, uh, the fertility of those that you see? Yeah. Well, looking back, I think the hardest time was, you know, that time in 2020 when people, we're not coming in at all because we were closed to inpatient services until June of 2020. And then a lot of people still weren't comfortable and, um, and people were also so isolated, especially if they had a new baby or were pregnant, they were oftentimes being extra careful. And I'm, I'm thinking about a very dear patient who had no history of issues in the past, but then during that time had really severe postpartum depression, anxiety, and um, 
and finally came like, you know, wasn't comfortable coming in. I mean, we were masking and screening everybody. And, and at now looking back, it's like, we haven't had any transmissions. We've had it completely safe the entire time. But at the time, you know, people were gauging every interaction so carefully. So by the time she came back for treatment, um, we were really digging out and it was just a really big wake up for me of noticing that when I'm working with a patient regularly, we just don't see these issues. We just don't. And that having that big gap um, where people really couldn't access care or then it kind of continued into like weren't comfortable accessing care was such a, such a massive um, setback for us with peripartum mental health overall. And, um, and now I honestly don't see it as much. People are, um, you know, kind of making their choices in the world. And um, we're still, you know, mostly a masked clinic and, you know, just really, again, still continuing to screen everybody and um, really careful. So it's a very, that is in part because of the population that we work with and um, and recognizing the risk for people that are trying to get pregnant or pregnant or postpartum um, around COVID. So um, I think that as a society, I see us still recovering yeah. with our mental health and that that impacts everybody. Um, and perhaps all the more need for having extra supports like therapy, some kind of body work like acupuncture or, you know, touch therapy, things that those kind of things, um, things that can help regulate our, our emotions, um, of which there are many things, but acupuncture is, is one of them. So, um, uh, because I definitely see this as a time of recovery still. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate what you're saying around that idea of society recovering. And then also your, the, the clients that you have and the new clients that you have and the ones that you've been working with that idea of there's more now, um, there's more that you need to kind of grow from because of some of the impacts of stress and, and sickness around COVID. And that then puts you in a state where you're looking for greater tools, um, in the toolkit, which then can be the services that you offer. Um, uh, so I, I think that's, that's a really great point. And gosh, I really hope we get to a place where from a healing standpoint, where we're just healthier in general body and mind, and then also we're more open to adjusting when we're not, you know, um, I really, I really look forward to that. I hope for that. Um, yeah, I am curious. I am curious when you're thinking about, you know, your practice has evolved quite a bit and you professionally have evolved quite a bit when you're thinking about fertility, uh, pregnancy, postpartum, what are some of the things that you are hoping that we evolve? Like really, what are, I don't know, your, your hopes and dreams for, for the, for the birth community as, as we continue to grow? Yeah. What a great question. I mean, I think about this a lot because I have teenage daughters and so they're stepping into this world um, 
that, you know, I just feel like I was 20, not that long ago and I'm 45 now, so it's not the case, but, (laughs) um, and, um, I, all right, I just need to pause for a second. So please do. Yeah. um, Remind me the first part of that question. Yeah. When you're thinking about the evolution that you have had throughout your career and throughout, uh, your, your clinic as a whole, what are some of the things that you are looking forward to, um, hoping for like your dreams, because you've done so much evolution so far. So what is, what is the next step in this evolution, um, in terms of your, your dreams and hopes? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, and in some ways the pandemic might've helped us out a little bit with this one, because I think we do as a society think about our time and our energy and our resources a little bit differently now. I think before the pandemic, we were, there was so much more just push, 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 and go, 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 go without even ever stopping to reflect on what was true and right for us. And I see people doing that a little bit more as more people have the option to work from home or have different work-life balance situations or just the fact that we took a, a step away from that real intense lifestyle for a little while. Um, because I do see for a lot of my patients, some of them is not the case, but many of us have been very driven for, I mean, since we were young girls, you know, especially, I mean, I identify as a high achiever. Like I was, you know, I just really was driven to always do my best and, um, take on too much, frankly, you know, and, and I, I think that's part of why I, I love the work that I do because a lot of my patients are in that same boat. And then I get to um, help them think about what they really want in their lives. And, um, and I'm always getting a chance to reflect on that as well. Um, And that's, I, I have teenage daughters and this is something I think about for them. Like I get to really have this close look at this whole spectrum of women, you know, of people that work, all sorts of different kinds of jobs and have made all sorts of different kinds of choices in their lives that have guided where we're putting our, our energy and our time and getting to see like, okay, how do we juggle these different things as women? If we do want to become mothers, how can we do that, you know, and still keep our health and our vitality if we want to be moms and also have a career outside the home or we need to have a career outside the home? for financial reasons. How can we do that without wrecking our health? And those are the things that are really meaningful for me. And I love getting a a chance with patients to have a window into their lives and helping them think about that. Because that really is, you know, if they're on their journey to becoming a mom, you know, there has to be some foundation of well-being, you know, in order for us to continue through these different stages of our own, um, development and our, and our aging. So, um, so I think that's a, that's a, an area that I feel really passionate about. I, um, I, 
I love the support that for myself personally, that nutrition and herbs can offer, you know, and so I have a lot of passion for helping people think about, you know, about these things and, and finding things that can just help them feel better, you know, so we can think more clearly and feel more grounded and have good energy, you know, and be able to do good work in the world. Yeah. You know, I, as you're, as you're speaking about that, a thought came to my mind is so often, at least I can speak to myself. I should only speak about my myself, but so often I was looking for, okay, who has, who has it right? How do I emulate that? How do I follow that same path? And when I think about your career, your education and how that's evolved, you have these different epiphanies that allowed you to think about yourself and allowed you to think about what is the best version of yourself versus looking outward to see who do I, who do I copy their path? And it seems as though that's really a foundational component of your work is helping people see a mirror when they're looking for answers and helping provide them with tools versus if you do this, then that. Um, I, I just, I, I think that we can really look inward and see what are our goals? What do we want to do? And what are the ways in which we can draw from other people to be supportive versus that's what we should be doing? Because gosh, isn't that where judgment and comparison and shame and guilt kind of come from is when we're looking outside of ourselves for success versus inward Um so I don't know. I, yeah, I, that was just a thought that kind of came to my mind as you were sharing all of that. Um, but I, I think you guys really do a great job of giving people a mirror and seeing, seeing the strength inside of themselves. Yeah. I mean, I really do believe that each of us has our own greatest knowing and wisdom about our, our guiding compass within ourselves. And we may need other people to help us find that and to let it flourish but um, it is our own unfolding, right? And that's what I really like to help other people find as well. Oh, I think I might have to write that one down and just say that to myself on a regular basis, my own (laughs) unfolding. I love that. (laughs) Oh my, I could just keep going and talking with you all day. This is wonderful. (laughs) Well, Cara, thank you so much for your time. Um, I will make sure for everyone that's listening that we go ahead and we'll put the um, address and contact information for Fertile Ground um, and please check it out and uh, share with your friends and with your colleagues. Cara, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Lindsay. It's great to talk with you. Yes.